I want to talk a little bit, just a, a couple things about, my, the title of my message today is Open Your Eyes. About nine years ago, I went through a season where I had issues with uh, detached retina. Anyone ever have that or have to go through something like that? It's hereditary. I inher- one of those things I inherited from my father. And I wish I didn't. I wish my brothers and sisters had blessed them with it. But <laughs> it was... <laughs> but um, I was sitting in the back in the AV room. I think I might, might have been running lyrics that day. And as I was watching the screens, at that point we had two screens in here. And I was watching the screens. The words on the screens kept getting blurrier and blurrier. And my vision was going from this to like this, and I couldn't figure it out. I didn't understand what was happening. I just figured maybe I was tired and I just let it go. That afternoon, I had to pick my mom up. She had been out of town, and I began to share with her what was happening. She immediately knew what was happening. and said, we gotta get you to the doctor first thing in the morning, let them check it out. I think your, your retina is detaching. So the next morning, we got an appointment. Couldn't get it until late in the afternoon got the appointment with my ophthalmologist and her within five minutes she knew what was happening it was was detaching and my vision had gone from this 24 hours to like this and so the surgeon saw me the next morning immediately took me in and over the next three months I went through nine surgeries on, on my eye the first one was where they injected a gas bubble into my eye and allowed it to float up to the retina and held the retina in place for the two-week period that it needed to be able to reattach. I couldn't walk. I could barely walk during that time. I had to sit in a chair with a neck collar. I had to sleep in that chair. I couldn't move around. Uh, it It was an interesting time, but God was faithful. And over these next few weeks and month or so, I had surgery after surgery to the point that my retina kept breaking apart and that they had to do the laser to be able to create scar tissue to be able to make it more stronger to allow it to heal. And I tell you that from the standpoint is sometimes we don't, we take for granted our vision. We take for granted because we're so caught up in the things of our world, our world, that we really don't see the things that are going on around us. I had no clue and no understanding of what was happening to me that, during that time and that week. But over those three months, that the lasers, took, some took, some didn't take. One afternoon, or we were doing the surgery, she did over 800, or close to 800 clicks of the laser, which lasted almost three hours to the point she had to get a water bottle to pour water into my eye because the pressure was so great and the, and the temperature of the eyeball was so great. During that whole time, I never thought once I would, I would lose my vision. I never once had fear overcome me. And I think it was because of my walk and understanding of who God is. Six months went by and we're sitting at a, at a lunch with my mom and my sister and at that point, I began to learn the, what happens. And all of a sudden, what, when, when the retina deteriorates and breaks off, these fluids come out of your, the, that area, and they become floaters. Not normal floaters as you get older, but these are like little, little balls kind of floating around your eye. My doctor described it as when I, when I moved my head around, it's like taking a snow globe, and I would see these. So I got to the point I'd see them every day, but I would put my, my hand over which eye to see which eye they were coming from, and, 
that during that first part of August, they started coming from my left eye. And we began the whole process again. And I say that to us because, again, we take for granted what we don't see. And we take for granted the things that what we walk through in life and where God is leading us. And at that, those times, I look back, I, I missed the signs on the first one. I caught the signs on the second one. I knew God was, was taking me through that journey. So over the last nine years, retina detachment brings on cataract. And then during that time, the cataract, I began to develop a cataract in this eye. It developed within a year. But my surgeon did not want to remove it because of everything we'd gone through and really wanted to wait to the point where I could do both eyes. She just knew that it was going to come on both. And I just wanted, my understanding was is that I would put it off and wait a little bit and my vision was fine, I could see things. But over through the time of COVID, it started to get worse and worse. And where I couldn't, I, it was very difficult to see, especially at night. And over the last couple months, I began to have the surgery in my left eye, this last Thursday in the right eye. I wanna give God the praise. Amen. Because through that process, I say that, because through that process, I never realized that in my right eye, I was considered legally blind. But you know what? Spiritually, how many of us in our hearts, spiritually, are really legally blind to the things that God has for us? Legally blind to the things and the mission that God has for us. So we only think and we only concern about ourselves, my family and those things around us that where we really don't understand the mission that God has placed us upon. And so I want, to, I want you to look at something with me real quick. Our mission for our church here for New Life, the, the, the mission is why we exist. And I think this is something that you need to understand. This is the mission of this house. Is, and you've heard pastor mention this, is to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. How many know that's a good thing? to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our vision is a little different. That's how we carry that mission out. See, it's our job as Christians and as lovers of Jesus to share the good news with those that are not just in here. If we're just laying our sunshine out to those that have sunshine in here, you really can't tell anything. But when we begin to move out of here into our neighborhoods, into our work and into our schools, that's where darkness lies. And what I'm saying, darkness lies, is that those that do not know Jesus and have Jesus in their heart, they do not understand the peace and the joy that comes from that walk with him. Amen. And it's our job as believers. It's the one commandment that God has given us as believers that he expects us to carry out. So that's why in our, our mission that we have, that we help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, that through that, you'll grasp hold of that mission to be able to carry it out. But we carry it out through our vision, which is to know God. See, I, some of us need that opportunity to connect with him. If you're here today and you, know, you just think, God is so far away, I've really never connected with him. I've never had that opportunity to connect. God is here waiting on you. He doesn't care where you've come from. He doesn't care what your past is. He just cares for you right at this moment. He'll deal with those later. But it's to know God. He wants to connect with you. Our second point is to find freedom. And I know this freaks so many people out when we sit and talk about it and people want to know, I've got freedom. I accepted Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every one of us have issues. You've heard me say it before. 
And those issues hinder us from becoming the best version that God wants for us. It is those issues that hinder us in our walk. It's those issues that rile up when, when we're at our weakest moment, they come up and stick up their ugly head and you sit there and think, I thought I dealt with this. But no, we gotta deal with it. You know, David, when he defeated Goliath, that wasn't the end of fighting off giants. Goliath had brothers and others came after him. But when we leave those issues unattained, undone with and unaccounted for and we don't give them over to God then we allow those things to hinder in our walk and it weakens us in our walk. And some of us have settled for, for those issues. We become comfortable with them. And God's trying to purge you and take it out of you. And if you're here today and you say, I don't have issues, that is your issue. <laughs> you're, you're, not allowing, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and, and put a light on it and shine a light to it. The third thing is, it discover your purpose. See, we have growth track three times a week, every, three, first, the th- first three Sundays of every month. And it's through growth track we walk you through these little steps here to allow you to find the purpose that God has for you. See, some of us in here, God created you as prof- in your profession. Maybe you're teachers, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're a doctor, but that's not your purpose. Maybe some of you, God has a different purpose to serve in the body and the kingdom of God. Your purpose in the world is to serve a different way. I'm a businessman by heart, and that's what I do in the world, and I've done that. But my purpose that God's placed on me is to come in as a pastor and to be able to help shepherd the church and come alongside pastor and help carry out the vision. Each one of us have a purpose. And God wants us to be able to take that purpose so we can settle those issues of yesterday and allow us to see our tomorrows with with clarity. So we can come through and do and accomplish the things God's called us to do. The fourth thing is, is make a difference. That is really, truly what God created us for. Yeah, you know, a couple months ago, I, I mentioned Stephen Jobs had a quote that we were created to dent this world. And I love that. Because if we leave this world the same way we came in and we haven't impacted it and we haven't touched those around us, then what have we done? We've taken up oxygen, we've taken up seeds, and we really haven't impacted those around us. And yet we've got people that are dying, that people that do not know Jesus and they're dying and they're gonna go to hell if we do not get an opportunity to share the good news and be able to speak into their lives. So I want you to look at someone this morning. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, God created you with a purpose. Every one of us need to understand that. Every one of us need to realize that. And if you're here today and you can't figure out what your purpose is, we will pray with you. We want to come alongside with you and let God begin to to pour out upon you so you begin to realize that. If you'll turn with me over John 4, 27 through 35. If those of you that came in this morning, if you'd like to follow along with our, with our message notes, if you'll turn over to the, and the YouVersion Bible app, go click on more and then events and under New Life Church, 
All of our notes are there, so you can take them, you can save them, you can print them up. It allows you to better meditate on them, to be able to, to chew them a little bit during the week and what God is speaking through this house to each one of us. What I want to look at today and what I want to look at for us moving forward is part of this whole thing with our vision and our mission is the Great Commission. And I want to look at it from the standpoint of the four Gospels. I don't know if you understand this, but the four Gospels, that's four different disciples that saw Jesus and saw that ministry, and they're talking and they're writing back to us to tell us in their version. That's why some of the Gospels are so different, because each one is a, di a different individual. Matthew was a tax collector. We have Luke, who is a physician. You have John, who is the friend of, of Christ, the closest friend. I always love it in his writing. He always refers to him as the beloved one. <laughs> but then you have, you have Mark, who was a young man, a very young man during that, and watched all this happen. It's like coming to an intersection of an of a, of a accident, and you have police officers, you have doctors, and you have firemen all come in. All of them are going to see things differently, and that's what we see here in the Gospels. This is, the, this is how it's told through the, through the four Gospels. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Therefore go, look at that, he tells us immediately, this is Christ speaking to us, therefore go and make disciples. How can we not make disciples if we don't go and we don't tell? Right. Go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why does he command us to learn? Why does he command us to understand that we have to obey the word of God? Because if we do not teach that next generation, if we do not teach those new believers how to walk and how to live according to the, with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we're allowing them to stumble and fall. It is our responsibility. How many would you allow your children just to get up and do whatever they want? They want to walk out in the middle of the traffic and, and, and get hit by a car? No, you're going to protect them. You're going to allow your children to play with things that are dangerous. No, why? Because you're going to protect them. You want them to grow and mature and become useful participants in this world. Well, if we don't teach that next generation the word of God and how to understand and how to allow the Holy Spirit to take that word and baptize us in our heart and in our mind. So it's through the reading of that word that God begins to renew our mind and he begins to pour out for us. Mark says it this way. He said to them, go into all the world. We hear that word go again and preach the good news to all creation. Luke tells us this, with my authority, take this message of repentance to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. That, what he means there is our city. It's our responsibility, church. For those that are here this morning, it, the, the word has been rested upon you if you're a lover of Jesus and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, it is your responsibility to take this message to those outside of this, these four walls and take it to the city of Port Orange. John says it this way, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God is sending us out. I love what Acts tells about this. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Port Orange, and all of Judea and Samaria, the United States, and to the ends of the earth. This is an assignment of believers who love Jesus. If you've never had an opportunity to go outside of our country and see the world as it is, you're missing a great opportunity. And I'm not talking about as a tourist. I've been to Europe and done the tourist things when I was a teenager out of high school, but I've been down to Central and South America. I've been down to Mexico and opportunities to minister. I've been to some of our inner cities in, in, our, in our great nation. And we are so blessed. Even the poorest of poor in this nation is, is blessed immensely in what we have compared to what we have in some of these other nations. And it makes you thankful. It makes you understand the importance of sharing the good news. Because one day, all this is gonna go away. We're gonna be called into glory. And if you're just waiting now for that day to be called into glory, you need to go on home. Because that's not what God has called us to do. It doesn't matter what we're doing. He wants us on assignment. He's placed us in this earth. And he's placed us on assignment. And the only way we can accomplish that assignment is to be able to minister and to love on those. So I have one simple thought today. We cannot reach what we cannot see. Well, we cannot reach what we cannot see. That's why the title of my message is Open Your, Open Your Eyes. Because if we're looking around and we don't see humanity that, that is hurting, that needs Jesus more than anything else, there's a tragedy going on and we're just missing it. And we're not, we're not supposed to be participants in a way of just kind of sitting off the sideline. You know, I love watching football games, but I'm not a player on the field any longer. I can cheer for that team on the sideline, but you know what? I really don't impact that game. We might think we are by because we're yelling and stomping our feet, but we don't impact that game. Those young men are, are hitting each other and knocking each other over with a goal in mind. And God has those for, same thing for us when we have our Bible in our hands. We have an opportunity to be able to love on the people and be able to share the good news. I want you, if you would, turn over, as I said, the, over to John 4.27. And I want to take a look at a passage. And it's beginning with verse 27. It's just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? This is the, this is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And we understand some back story to this. Jews and Samaritans were not, they did not work together. There was a hatred amongst them. And back in that time, men didn't speak to women, let alone speak to a Samaritan woman. And yet Jesus is here and Jesus is being, coming in and, and wanting to be able to have conversation with them. And listen to what she says. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the, said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I have ever did. Could this be the Christ? If you remember the story, she came to him and, and Jesus kind of read her mail 
talking about the fact that she was, uh, didn't have a husband now. She had, and Jesus said, no, you're right. You've had five and you're living with someone now. And just kind of was very blunt, but also loving to her. See, she didn't get offended and walk away. Sometimes we, we feel like the, the word of God is going to offend someone. I want to tell you something. There's nothing offensive in Genesis to Revelation. It penetrates the heart. What's offensive is the way we maybe present it and the way we act. And if we start walking and doing the things God's called us to and live a loving life through him, then the way we share the gospel can be used mightily. He goes on, then they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat and you know nothing about. I think I, the disciples were clueless of what was happening, okay? The disciples, and that's what I'm trying to get. We, we have eyes that are open, but they're really not open to the things around us sometimes. We've closed off our hearts spiritually and we don't allow those things to be able to be able to see what God's trying to do. Something happens to us and we immediately go, poor me, what am I gonna do? Instead of saying, God, what are you trying to do through this? What are you trying to get the glory through this? And that somehow God will receive the glory through every situation if we allow him to. But if we hold back and we're only concerned about us, then we've missed the whole point of anything that we walk through. I'm not saying God's allowed us to go through some horrible things so that, he get, that he's sitting up there saying, okay, do this and you're gonna get, I'm gonna get the glory. No, but he's saying take those opportunities that when they happen to be able to love on someone and be able to let people watch how you as a believer grow into your faith and strengthen yourself. They go on, then the disciples said to each other, could someone have been, brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He goes on to say, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for the harvest. Amen. Amen. Look at, open your eyes and look at the fields. What we've done is we've, we've closed our eyes off to those that are hurting in our community. Those are hurting. And I'm guilty of it as much as anyone else. We see a homeless person and we don't want to help them because we think they're going to take advantage of us and take our money and, and use it to go do something they shouldn't be doing. But is that really our responsibility to judge that? Is it our responsibility to show them who Jesus is? Let them be accountable to him. We're doing it in the love of the Lord. We're doing it like Jesus did to that Samaritan woman. He loved on her. He had touched her and he touched that community from that one act. See, one thing I learned with my eyes, my first time I ever realized that my eyesight was having issues, I was, I was 13 years old. I was at a dolphin game in Miami and I could not see the scoreboard. The scoreboard, we were in one end zone and the scoreboard's about 100 maybe 115, 120 yards down at the end. And the scoreboard was starting to get blurry. And I remember telling my father that what was happening. And so they took me to get the doctor and the doctor gave me glasses. And through that, I'm, I'm severely nearsighted. And being nearsighted, is your, the shape of your eyeball is a little different. It means I, can, I can't see far away. 
I can see close up, but I can't see far away. Now, farsighted means you can see at a great distance, but close up is a little different. So I, my, my notes today are like in 20 points, so I can read them for you at this point. One thing with the surgery, I've not been able to grasp to be able to read him close up at this point. So, but God wants us to learn and us to look in our hearts. Where are we with our, with our sight, our spiritual sight? Do you know what you can tell if you're nearsighted? If God answers all your prayers, would it change the world? Or would it change me? God answered all your prayers. Would it change the world or would it change me? And what I want to look at today in these next few moments is what God wants us to do and look at the way we can open our eyes. There are 7.6 billion people on our planet. Out of that, 2.4 billion are Christians, are claimed to be Christians. That leaves 5.2 billion people that if God, if Christ was to return today, would not have a relationship with him, they would go to hell. That's a lot of people. Amen. That's a lot of people. It means we have a lot of work to do. And we need to open our eyes. But you know what's the saddest thing is to tell you in that number, none of us kind of freaked out, did we? We didn't cry. We didn't drop to our knees. Why? It's because what we don't see, it doesn't affect us. And my hope today is that we can learn, begin to look at the world a little differently. On 9-11, we lost 2,996 people on that horrific day. 2,996 people. Now, I don't know where their relationship was. I know some of them were believers because we heard testimonies afterwards. But in a twinkling of eye, they were gone. Heaven was opened up for those that believed, and they went, the others that didn't went to hell. But I want to I demonstrate something. Can I have Pastor and Jose step up here? I want us to look at something just for a quick moment. You guys can just stand right here. Right there, there you go. Jose, if you just step right by, turn this way. There you go. Jose, kind of shoes. There you go. That close together. Okay. So if you take... The, this here, where they're at, and you take 2,996 people lined up like that, that'll take us six-tenths of a mile down the road. What was six-tenths? Maybe down towards Publix off of Nova Road here? Lined up for that. On December 26, 2004, we lost 250,000 people that died instantaneously in the tsunami in the Far East. If you take those individuals, that 250,000 people, and line them up this way, that line goes for 47 miles, the distance from Port Orange to Orlando. If you take the 5.4 billion people, 5.2 billion people, they're not saved, and you line them up and you go from Port Orange to Tampa, across to Mexico, over to the Pacific, on the other side of California, maybe out to the Far East, and you wrap around, and you come back into the Atlantic, and you come back into to Port Orange. How many more times do you think that goes on? Twice? 20 times? 40 times? 
125 times that wraps around. That is the distance of those people that are right here in our world today that do not know Jesus and the effects of them. Guys, thank you so much. You can step down. We need to be conscious of the fact that God brings people around us that we can influence them. God sets you up to to accept him as your Lord and Savior that you will have influence over their lives. It doesn't say that you're supposed to be their pastor. It doesn't say that you're supposed to, to, to mentor them every step of the way. But God give, brought people into our lives, our neighbors, our coworkers, maybe those children that we teach, or maybe it's the young boy down the street that doesn't have a father that seems to want to hang out with you. Maybe it's the, the, the cashier at the grocery store that you have a relationship with, where you have influence. And you begin to touch their lives and see what God does. So I want to look at three aspects today, real quick life, on where we need to look at opening up our, our hearts and our eyes to. First one is open your eyes to where they are. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He goes on in Psalms 16, 9 says, in his heart a man plans his course but the Lord determines his steps. So that means God is placing people, on a, you're on assignment here on this planet. God is placing people in your path for you to talk to, for you to share the good news, maybe to be the example he's called you to be, and we just keep walking by. And we're doing life. We're so busy, we're, just, we're only consumed with our bills or having to work or take care of our children and consumed maybe with what we're fighting off and we're not, we're, we just let them go on. John Maxwell says that, and if you never heard John Maxwell, I want you to get a book, read it. He is incredible. John Maxwell is a believer. He is the, the number one leadership person in the nation. And he, he's been a pastor, but God has opened up a door where he does now is he speaks to large corporations. He speaks at large events. He goes into these universities and he talks about leadership. And at the end of his meetings, what he usually does is he tells them who he is, not on the company's dime that they're paying him, but he tells them if they want to hear a little bit more about his story to come back. And he gives them 15 minutes where he shares his story. And he's led people to the Lord in a business setting. He's respectful of those who are paying him so he doesn't do it on their dime, but he ministers the gospel. He tells us that that God calls us or, or drops us, those people that were influenced, he calls them spiritual thoughts where people will come by and we get in the conversation, they'll mention something. Usually it's them hurting. Usually it's something going on with a family. And God drops that in for us to kind of pick up on and to be able to share or pray or touch their lives or be able to just help them through that moment. See, we need to look for those little tidbits in our walks, in our time of connection with people. Maybe it's over coffee. Maybe it's just picking up the, the mail in, 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 our, in our homes and coming in. See, our job is not to correct them, but to listen to them. So God created us to change this world. And the way we change this world, we need to connect before we correct. And I think too many times as believers, we've closed off our vision so all we see is the, is the things that are here and the cut and dryness of this word 
but yet we don't have a relationship with man. We wanna correct them so quickly and tell them where they're going and where God is gonna lead them to. They're gonna go to hell instead of just stopping listening. I'll tell you something. I've been, I have been a believer and I have walked away from my walk with God at, at times. And I knew I was doing wrong because the power of the Holy Spirit never left me. My relationship with God never changed. But the Spirit of God kept dealing with me. And most of, most of individuals that, we, that, that God brings into our path, the Spirit of God's beginning to deal with them. It's our job to kind of pick it up and connect with them. And if we can't connect with those that, are, that God's bringing, he's like, he's serving it up for us. He's, I've done the work. I've started ministering them. I'm bringing them along your path. It's your job just to pick it up a little bit and begin to walk with them and to share that. The second thing is open your eyes to who they are. Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They harassed. They needed to show compassion. You know, I think the story of the Good Samaritan is one of those stories that um, I think it's an example of who we need to be as believers. See, the, the individual, if you remember the good story of the Samaritan, as a person had gotten robbed and he was beaten and he was left off to the side. And there, there are three main characters in this story. What we see is the thief, that person, he saw that individual as a victim. He came in, he, did, he, he exploited him, took his money, beat him, and sent him off to, and just led him off to the side. The priest saw that person as a problem that they were going to avoid. They walked right by him. How many of us look at some of the problems in the world and we just kind of tiptoe around quickly that no one sees us or maybe God doesn't see us? But the good Samaritan who saw that person, he saw someone that needed to be loved on and he took care of him. He even paid for shelter and paid in advance so he can have a few days of rest and care for him. See, to change our world, we don't have to be like them, but we do need to have to be like them. And what I'm saying is that so many of us think that if I hang out with this crowd, what are people gonna say? I don't care what people say. I'm tired of that. I'll be honest with you. If, if you know me as a believer and you can't accept who I am and you see me with someone or, doing, or around people that are not believers, my job is, is to be able to love on them, touch them, and impact this world. Amen. I don't see them as an assignment. I see them as, as, as people that are hurting and if we only we look and we, we treat ourselves as Christians almost like that those that do not know Jesus that maybe they are far away and they're hurting, we treat them as almost like the Pharisees did in the, in, the, in the Bible. See, the Pharisees took the scriptures that were given to them and they kept building these rules and these rules upon rules to the point no one could do anything. And as believers, we've done the same thing. You can do this, but you can't do that. Who says you, you can't? You're not, we're not God. I don't judge at the end of the day. God does. He's given me a Holy Spirit to lead me. He's given me a Holy Spirit to discern moments to be able to speak into the lives of people and to pray over them. Each one of them walked by that man. One picked him up. One loved on him. We don't have to be like them, but we have to like them. And it's evident sometimes we don't like them. And 
lives because of the way we treat people, the way we treat those that do not understand who Jesus is. Why? It's because they're blinded to the things of, the, of God. If we're not going to help wash them, wash their eyes and let the scales fall off, and let, it's not our job to, to save them. That's Jesus' job. It's our job to love on them, allow them to see Christ through you. Third thing is open our eyes to what they need. See, there are two sides to this issue, and I want to quickly look at it. There's the truth side and there's the grace side. Now, the truth side, those are the individuals that are hard-pressed on this, and we preach this, and we do, but they're staunch and whether you can't do this because in the word of God, yes, but God expects us to, to walk in grace and in truth. Right. And if we can't carry that out, that means there are times that we have to love on them and without correcting them to get to the point. Jesus will take care of that and his walk with people. I don't worry about someone that comes to the Lord and they're, they're on fire for God. Yes, are they, do they mess up? Yes, they will. I did. I've, and I still do. And if you're looking for a perfect pastor, you ain't looking up here. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> yes, you're right. But it's, it, sometimes we think that, we, that everything, we have to correct the people and we have to see them in that corrected version. No, we don't. God needs to open up our eyes. Technically, those that are, that are bound by truth, and I have friends from Bible school that are and there are times I get texts from them or things I post out there that they don't like and they want to correct me that's fine I love them I'll never stop loving them but we've got to walk in truth but man we also have the grace and the grace side we've we've blown it up because everyone says we've got to give grace got to give grace you can't can't correct them you got to give grace and what we've done is we've taken grace and made it greasy We've taken grace and we've just, we've kind of sloughed it off the side. And it just, it doesn't really have a meaning anymore. See, God saved us. And he, if that, look at that Samaritan woman, what he remember at the end, he told her and after he corrected her, told her, go and sin no more. He corrected in love, he did that. See, I think truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. There's a balance in there that you have to have. Listen to what he says here in John. The word became, John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Can I have the worship team come on back up? You remember the story of the woman called in adultery? You remember that story? The Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus. And they took this woman and they dragged her out to be stoned. And they thought they had Jesus kind of bound up because they had the truth. It was written in the, in, 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 in the, in the word. They knew what the truth said. But Jesus looked at him, and she was caught in, in adultery in the midst of it all. And do you remember what Jesus said? Those without sin cast the first stone. 
Do you remember what happened to the men that came? They all disappeared. Jesus looked there and said, woman, where are your accusers? See, sometimes when we judge people and we, we look upon them and we look upon them with maybe they're not living that life, we're doing the same thing as the Pharisees. We're not walking in that grace and allowing that balance of that grace and the truth. Jesus went on to tell her, if they don't accuse you, neither do I. He balanced that, that grace and he, when he said, I'd neither accuse you, that was what neither accuse you. That was the, the grace he was giving. Then he said, go and leave your sin. That's the truth. See, there's a balance that we have and when we walk out those things that God has in store for us. To change the world, we need to show people the same kind of love God showed us, and that's unconditional love. That's the, that's the secret, that's the secret sauce to our walk. The unconditional love. When we become, when we have that unconditional love, no one can offend us, no one can do anything to harm us, because we're gonna love them no matter what we go through and no matter what we do. We will never allow that to be a barrier for each one of us and to hurt us. John Maxwell closed it out. He said, there's, there's four views for those that do not know Jesus or, or, or are in this world today. And this kind of, uh, this kind of gives us a, something to look at when we're talking about that 5.2 billion people. He said that there's a view of a locked gate where people can't be, where people look at it and say, God can't be reached. Where God can't be reached. He's so far away. There's, he's so, he's so distanced that no matter what I have done, I, I, it, God just doesn't penetrate me. I am so awful, I am so burnt up, and I am so, I have just lived that life that God will never will save someone or touch someone like me. And they put this barrier up like this wall. Second thing is, he says, is a garbage can. That is the person, God doesn't want me. Why does God want me? I've done these horrible things. I've hurt people. Why would God want me? The third thing, and I think this is where we suffer in the church, the endless ladder. That view, God requires a lot from me. See, we think when we come to see to the saving grace that Jesus is in our life, we feel like we, the only way we can walk out our salvation is by working and doing the works. But we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And so what happens is, is people really don't have that relationship with Jesus. What they do is they've built up all these works and they're, I've, I've been a good person. I've gone to church. I've helped with this and that. And that has nothing to do with our walk. It has to do with how we serve God, yes. But our walk is different. The true view is that it's a free gift. The right view of God. God is a free gift for each one of us freely to accept him, freely that we get a chance to run to him, to hide into his arms and allow him to love on us. Will you bow your heads with me?
no one looking around. I know every one of us this morning, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And each one of us could probably, as we go around this room, we'd probably say, I've been there. I've turned my head the way I look at people. I've turned my head when it comes to things that God's brought people around me. I want to ask you this morning, if, if you're just tired of doing that and you want God to open up your eyes to allow you to see those opportunities he has around you, you want God to open up your heart today that you're not just looking inward, but you're looking outside, you're looking at your neighbors, you're looking at, if that's where your heart is today and you want us to pray and we come together, I want to just ask you to slip your hand up so we can pray for each one of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you this day, Lord God. Father, everyone in this room, we look at you as that free gift. Lord, I pray a Holy Spirit upon each one of us today. Open up our eyes. Open up our heart, Lord God. May we see those around us in a different light. May we see those around us, Lord God, as our part of our assignment to be able to touch and bless this community. I pray today your Holy Spirit come upon each one of us. Father, you created inside of us a purpose for us to walk out our salvation, for us to walk out our life with you. And the only way it becomes meaningful, Lord God, is when we begin to share what you've done in our history, in our story, and what you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray today your touch upon each one of us. Church, I'm going to ask you to just stand as we close out this morning. Let us just surrender our arms. Let's raise our arms. Let us, let us sing this song, the worship, join with the worship team. And let's begin to seal what God is doing in our life. Father, we thank you this day. Holy Spirit, touch us today. Move upon us today. May this not just be a good message, but may this be the message that, that moves us to be able to touch people. May we hear testimony after testimony of those that we've been touching the lives in our community. May we begin to see a massive move towards you, a massive area where we begin to see those come to know you as a Lord and Savior. We thank you this day, Lord God, and we praise you, and we give you the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.